0: This woman has devoted her life to reaching people and serving people that society has thrown away. Has thrown away. And I, I, can't, I just can't overstate the impact she's had on my life, on Sarah's life. We wouldn't be doing what we're doing at Dayton Correctional. We had some drama that had really... I'm not even going to get into it. She helped us through all that stuff. She believes in what we're doing. What we do on, on uh, Tuesdays, even in Lebanon Correctional, we wouldn't be in there if it wasn't for you. And so... I want you. I know you, some of you guys don't know Chapa uh, but I want you. I don't care if you know her or not. Can everybody please like get to your feet and and let's give her let's give her a, like fringe round of applause? Yeah, give it up for Chapa Mosey. All right. you to understand that if it had not been for God that was on my side, I wouldn't be standing here. So if you're going to thank somebody, give God the praise, give God the glory, and God the honor. Because as the song said, I called out to him and he heard my cry. I would not be here today if it had not been for God. The world had thrown me away and disregarded me and said, you're going to be a drunk just like your auntie. You're going to go to prison just like your brother. You're going to be an uh, a unweighed mother on welfare just like your mother. But God said, not so. Amen. So give God the praise. I give God Amen. all the praise and honor. It is a blessing to be here to see what God is doing in the lives of people that the world said forget about that. To to see the impact that Patrick and Sarah have on the prison when they come is just amazing. When they come in the door, the women scream, they clap, because they're such a blessing. They're, They're such a blessing. The gifts and talents that God has placed inside of them they're John's using it, it to give it back did. and to make a difference in the lives of the men and women that are still incarcerated, that are coming behind them. We have to reach back as well as reaching out, and they do that so well. I, I talked to a young lady the other day, and she said to me, you know, we've had chapters come and go, and, and it's really been hard on us. And, and I said, well, that's because they were on their way someplace else. I said, I am where God wants me to be, all right? God put me here. Look, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I didn't know nobody in Ohio. All I knew about Ohio was the Ohio players. So the reason that I'm here is God had a plan for my life. If someone had said, you want to go to Ohio, I would say, oh, no, not in Ohio. I was looking for someplace warm to go. And this is where God dropped me off at. Why? Because I'm on assignment. And so I thank God. Give yourself a hand for being here this morning. Give yourself a hand for what God has done in your life. Because I know the same God that's working in my life is working in your life as well. So praise God for that. When Patrick asked me to come, I told him, I said, well, you know, February is Black History Month. and, And I really do like talking about Black History because I want people to understand that black history is American history. Right? It's not a separate history. And I'm always excited to talk about history. I was a history major in college. And, and history answered a lot of questions for me that I had that I wasn't able to understand. And then when I started teaching and preaching, I was able to put the two together because they're not separate. There's not a difference between the the spiritual world and the secular world. It's all one world. It's all one thing. God is in everything. God is in the music. God is in nature. God is in in everything. We cannot separate God out. And, And so for me, God is in the history. As a matter of fact, God says God is in the history. I want you to know that there are more than a dozen scriptures where God reminds the nation of Israel who they are and more importantly, who he is to them when he tells them, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. God is a God of history. So even though black history is not in the Bible, God wants us to remember our history. If we don't remember where we come from, if we don't remember the hell that we went through, if we don't remember how low down we were, we'll start taking credit for what God has done in our lives. And God said, the devil is a liar. I did this. I did this. God reminds them. He says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. They got confused when Moses stood up on the mountain too long. They said, he ain't coming back. Let's build us another God. And we'll make other things in our lives God. And we'll start to put all of our time and our energy into that. And we'll forget about the God that loves us so much that he died for us. God reminds us that he is in our past, our present, and our future. In Revelation 1 and 5, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. God reminds us of the importance of our history and his relationship to us. And so, you know, I would think that after having elected uh, a black president twice, right, two times we elected African American president, it that there probably wouldn't be a need for Black History Month. That people would already understand the contributions that have been put into American life as a result of the experience of African Americans. But just recently, as 2016, Congressman Stephen King, Republican of Iowa, questioned the historical contribution of what he called non-white subgroups. Congressman King said, I ask you to go back through history and figure out where are these contributions that have been made by these other categories of people. These other categories of people. In 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, I am positive that Congressman King is not the only American that believes that there have not been any contributions made by African Americans. I would venture to even say to you that there are a lot of African Americans that don't know the contributions that have been made to civilization and history. When we look back in the Bible, Judges 2 and 10 tells us, it says, When all those generations have been gathered to their fathers, the generations that came out of Egypt, that came out of captivity, it says another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, who did not know the work that he had done for them. How did a generation come up? Just one generation later, they didn't know. I was suggesting to you, the reason they didn't know was because somebody stopped teaching them. Somebody stopped telling them. Somebody stopped telling their story somebody stop telling them what God has done for them. And what I would suggest to you this morning is that if we get so high and mighty that we become ashamed of our past and don't tell our children and our grandchildren where God has brought us from, they'll start worshiping other things. They'll start worshiping the video games, the TV, their friends, their friends' opinions. And so we, we, as colored, Negro, black, African-American, white, Hispanic, Asian, Christian, must do more than wear a title of Christian. We must live the life of Christians. We must refute the lie and stand against the lie that God created one group of humanity superior to the other. We are all made in the image of God, and we are all... We are all precious in this sight. And so the scripture that the Lord gave me is 1 John chapter 4. I will ask if you have a Bible, open your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, just listen to the word of God. 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. I'm reading from the Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers and sisters, are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. I want to suggest to you this morning that love wins. Love wins. Love wins because, see, when we fight with violence, there's only one winner. There's only one person left standing when we fight with violence. When we fight with love, there are two winners, two circumstances of change because of love. Two perspectives are changed because of love. Two people are changed because of love. Love wins. Look at your neighbor sitting next to you and say, love wins. Get in your spirit and say, love wins. It's generally accepted that John, the disciple of Jesus, wrote the gospel of John as well as 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. Revelation. First John is a letter to the churches in Asia Minor, and it addresses church mess that was taking place in the first century. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, there was mess in the church. There's always been mess in the church. You know why? Because there's messy people in the church. If you don't believe me, just look in the mirror. You'll find a messy person, all right? There are messy people in the church. So don't come to church expecting to find perfect people. There are no perfect people in church. We all on a journey trying to get better. We are all learning and growing closer to God. Yeah. We are all works in progress. So yeah. nobody in church has yeah. arrived. Yeah. So yeah. there was mess in the church. Yeah. I was suggesting you this morning that when Noah built the ark and put all those animals in the ark to keep them in the event of the flood that was coming, that there was mess in the ark. There was a lot of mess in the ark. But you know what wasn't in the ark? Well, no water in the ark. did nobody get wet. The flood passed them by. So even though there's mess in the church, you're in the best place you can possibly be. Because when the flood of life comes, your way, there won't be no water in the church. It might be a little messy, but you can stand. There was mess in the church, and John admonished and reminded the churches of Christ's teaching to love one another. And he acknowledged the contradiction between the word of God and how we live in society and live with each other. Those who say I love God and hurt their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother and sister cannot, 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 cannot love God whom you have not seen. Unfortunately, in the English language, we only have one word for love. So I have to use the word love when I say I love my husband and I love pizza. With the same word, I hope not, with the same intensity. (laughs) In the first century Greek, the language has, has several words for love. Eros. Eros is the word for that passionate that that sexy love that love i want to do you up flip you over turn you around upside down eros is that kind of love that beyonce said if you like it you should have put a ring on it right? that, 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 that's that kind of love that's not the kind of love that god is talking about right james Baldwin spoke of a love that reveals he said the loved ones why well, if i love you then I ought to love you enough to make you conscious of the things that you don't see about yourself. He said, that's the role of the artist. Right? See your pictures on the wall? The role of the artist is to help us see about ourselves what we cannot see. Some talk about tough love. And that's what I think they really mean is being able to set boundaries, understanding that a loving no is better than a resentful yes. A loving no is better than a resentful yes. So those of us that got grown children that always got their hair down, right? I want you to know that a loving no is better than a resentful yes because they ain't gonna pay you back. <laughs> and all you gonna do is be mad about it. So just say no, I love you with the love of the Lord, but no. The Greek word agape describes God's love. It's that unconditional love. It's that love we can't earn. That is he loves us in spite of everything he know about us. It's that unpreferential love. It's that love that keeps coming after us. That's that agape love. That's the love that Jesus spoke of when he talked about forgiving seven times seven. When Peter said, well, wait a minute, God. Suppose they keep messing with me. How many times do I have to forgive them? He said, forgive them seven times seven. Remember now, he said, forgive them seven times seven. He didn't say go back and put yourself in play again. Look, if I know you're a thief, I'm going to forgive you, but I'm going to Move my pocketbook when you sit down next to me. All right? I am. You are not going to be sitting next to my purse. I got to see. Trust is earned. All right? We talk, there's a difference between love, forgiveness, and trust. And a lot of times we get that confused as Christians. We think, when I forgive you and I love you, I got to trust you again. No, baby, 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 baby. No. You got to show me some change. That unforgiveness, that, that, that unconditional love that Jesus talks about is a parable of the son returning home. The younger son said, give me my stuff. Right? Give me my stuff, let me go off to a far off country. And when I teach this among the men and women the queen, I said, what was up with the son that he said, give me my stuff now? And they said, oh, he was greedy. Oh, he just wanted the money. Look, check this out. This boy was a rich man's son in this house. How many of y'all got at least $2 to rub together? If you got $2 to rub together, your kids ain't gonna be hungry. You're gonna take care of your kids. If you get hit Powerball, right? You're gonna buy some things they ain't never had before, your kids are not going to suffer. So what I'm suggesting to you is that this young man was not suffering for lack in his daddy's house. He wasn't poor. He was a rich man's son. So why did he say, give me my stuff? Why? Because he wanted something that we all want, control. We want to run our own life. Don't tell me what to do, don't tell me how to live, don't tell me who to love, don't tell me what to think, don't tell me where to go, don't tell me what to put in my body, don't tell me what to wear, don't tell me how to look. I want control, I want control my own life. And that's what he want, he want control. Besides that, he could bring all them strippers up in his daddy's house, right? <laughs> he could Because it, it says he went off to a far-off country, and he spent his money. He was making it rain. He was making it rain and ran out of money. And so when he came to himself, he said, in my father's house, in my father's house, there's hope. In my father's house, there's forgiveness. He's got a father that loved him so much. And he knew he would come back. That's what God we got. That's who God is that father. God is that father that that keeps giving, that won't say no to you when you ask for something stupid sometimes. Just to let you have your own experience. But he was there with his arms out when his son came and he said, put a robe and a finger on his hand. His behavior didn't warrant all that. If he had just said, okay, come on back home. But but he was extravagant. I want you to understand that we got a God that believes in extravagant love, that loves us extravagantly. He said, Go kill the fatted calf. The calf, not the lamb. They had lambs too. He couldn't kill the lamb. The lamb probably would have killed the whole family. But I wanna suggest to you that the fatty calf was for the whole community, the whole neighborhood. The father's love is so extravagant. I'm gonna get this jacket off. The father's love is so extravagant that what he's saying is when you left home, it wasn't just the family that was hurt. It was the neighbors who saw you grow up and expected you to be more than a pig. Pink- cleaning, prison number. Extravagant love said invite the teachers in. And because they poured into his life and they expected more from him, invite the youth pastor in that taught him about the love of God. Show the extravagant love that the community is welcoming him back. We need to acknowledge that when men and women go off to prison, our communities are hurt. Our communities are hurt, there's a void in our communities. when when men and women, mothers and fathers are not there, there's a void in our community and our community is lesser because of it and so when we come back the community ought to be celebrating the community ought to be saying praise the Lord, the community ought to be saying "All right, hey we got you, we got jobs for you we got a place for you to live you got to show up every day you got to go to work, you got to change something, can't be smoking that dope something got to change it your life. Communities gotta come around. We must love people enough to show them that I hurt, that we missed them when they went to prison. We must love them enough to also say to the larger communities that our, and our communities are economically devastated by selling drugs. Our communities are devastated by disinvestment in certain communities that make selling drugs look like a good career choice, too. We gotta get honest about that, that there are communities where there's no economic incentive to do anything else but sell drugs. But the father welcomes the son home. And certainly the father had been hurt, but he welcomes him home. This is the love that Jesus spoke of when he said, love your neighbor. As yourself. He told this parable when the scribe asked him, who is our neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And he told him about the Samaritan, the good Samaritan. When everybody that was supposed to help you, when the priest, when the deacon, when the Sunday school teacher, when they crossed over, when they saw you acting out, when they saw you laying on the road of life, beat up, strung out, They crossed over, then here comes this hated immigrant, I mean Samaritan. (laughs) (laughs) The Samaritans were called dogs, rapists, murderers, the Samaritan was the one that, if you saw them coming, you grab your purse and hold it tight and walk real fast. That was the, the relationship that the Jews and the Samaritans had with one another. The Samaritans were the ones that were demonized, marginalized, denigrated, and maligned. The Samaritan was the one. If you saw the Samaritan laying on the road, beaten and bloody, you walk away like you ain't seen nothing. I ain't saying that. So for Jesus to tell this parable about the Samaritan that shows the love of God, the only one that stopped, the only one that stopped to inspect the wounds of the beaten, bloody man left on the highway of life, picked him up. The only one, the one that you wouldn't have helped, this is the one that helped you. This is the one. You know Martin Luther King, he looked at this parable, he said, you know, this was a dangerous place. This was a highway where there were robbers and people got robbed on that highway a lot. This was the ghetto of life. How many of us know that if, if we're in a bad neighborhood, we're gonna walk real fast. We ain't stopping looking at nothing, right? Martin Luther King said the priest and the Pharisee that passed by the man probably thought to themselves, what will happen to me if I stop and help him? The Samaritan was the only one who thought, what will happen to that man if I don't stop to help him? And so he stopped to help him, and he took him to a hotel, motel, holiday inn, paid for him, and said if he needs anything else, Put it on my tab. How many of us know that we have run up a tab with God? We have a tab of grace and mercy because love wins. Love wins, and this was the love that the writer of 1 John was saying, how can you say you love God, but you hate your brother or sister? How can you say you love God and you won't help nobody? How can you say you love God and you see your brother and sister suffering and you walk like God and forget? i worked as a chaplain in two men's prisons and, and several other places, two women's prisons. But before that, I also was the ministry leader of our prison ministry at my church. And so I've been in a lot of prisons, and i preached in different prisons. And, and invariably, I would have young black guys come up to me and tell me that Christianity was a white man's religion. And, and I would share with them, and this is why I thank God for going to school and reading. There's ways to go to school without going to school. I may mean, always be a lifelong learner, a lifelong reader. And I would share with them that Jesus was a, a, a woolly-haired, brown-skinned Palestinian Jew. And that when people were trying to kill the baby Jesus, his mother Mary and Joseph took him to Egypt to hide from the people that were looking to kill him. Look, you can't have no blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby in Egypt. <laughs> yeah, you cannot. We see agape love when Jesus looked up and saw Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was hated. He's up in the tree looking at Jesus. He was going to any length to get what he needed. Somebody needs to know that love wins, but there's a part for us to play in our own lives. Zacchaeus had to get serious about wanting Jesus in his life. He had to be serious enough to say, you know what? I know I'm a thief, I know I'm a liar, I know I'm a robber, but I also know that there's a God that loves me so much that he's coming through my town and I'm gonna go to any length to get in contact with that God. And all he had to do was show up. And Jesus looked up at the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm coming to your house today. And they said, what? He going to his house. Zacchaeus is a thief. He's a liar. He's been stealing from us. Zacchaeus said, yeah, I know. And he had to make reparations. See, a lot of times it's not enough just to say I'm sorry. I got to give back. I got to give what I took. And sometimes I got to give what I took and keep on giving. Because I got a God that keeps on giving. Right? Praise God. right? I got a God that keeps on giving. So love not only says I'm sorry, but love pays reparation because love wins. Love wins. Because Jesus reaches out to those that the world has cast aside instead And so when he went to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, the woman, look, the woman that had been married five times and the man that she was with was not her husband. And I've listened to people preach that and malign the woman and said, well, she just couldn't make up her mind and she just wanted to have a lot of different men. And see, here's what happens when you read you find out that women did not have a choice about their own bodies. They didn't have a choice about their own lives, and this ain't nothing that's gone away. There are women today that are in situations where they don't have a choice about their own bodies and about their own lives, that they get passed around like property. This woman got passed around. She went from one brother to the next brother to the next brother to the next brother, brother. and every time she went from one to the next. You know what happened? She was devalued. Because when she first started out, she was a virgin. And that held a lot of value to be a virgin. You know why? Because if she got pregnant, we know who that baby daddy is, right? We got to go to Maury and say, Maury, who that baby daddy is? <laughs> But as she got passed around and was no longer a virgin, she lost her value in the eyes of society. She lost her value and was so valueless Mm -hmm. that when she got to the last man, he said, I ain't even got to marry. You just gonna lay up here with me, baby. That's it. That's all. She was at the well at the high point of the day when the sun was out. Most of the women went to the well early in the morning to get water, but she didn't go there. You know why? Because they was talking about her. They was making her feel bad. They were pointing their fingers at her. They were judging her. They were to look at her. Look at her clothes. Look how she dressed. Look what she wearing. Look what she been. She got all these men in her life. Look at her. She been using drugs. She been getting high. Look, people will talk about you to keep the focus off themselves. They will talk about you. They will look at you and try to feel better about themselves by pointing their finger at you. I know because I've done it too. My sister was in treatment up in upstate New York, smoking crack. I smoked crap. I was a bottle baby, right? Like, I never met a drink or drug I didn't like. So I couldn't say I had a drug of choice because I chose them all. But I pointed my finger at her because she was in treatment. I wasn't in treatment. I was in a house with furniture, right? I had a car. I was okay, but she wasn't. And God showed me, no, you're just as sick as she is. But we can make a difference and we can look for ways to not focus or fix ourselves because we want to focus on someone else and stay broken. And so I thank God that God gave me an opportunity to see myself. But I had to get drugged through the mud first. I want you to know that this was not an easy trip. And so when I praise God and say thank you and I raise my hand, trust and believe, I know where God has brought me from and where he saved me from. Because I can identify with this Samaritan woman. I can identify going from man to man. I can identify being at a party and getting high and waking up with Godzilla and not knowing what we did I who had a good time. I can identify <laughs> yeah. with that. I can identify with this woman. I was this Samaritan woman that other women, young women, and their families said, "Stay away from her. Don't mess with her." Why right? don't don't mess? She gonna be just like her mother. She gonna be on welfare. I can identify with this woman—the hurt, the isolation, the pain of the never fitting in. And so this was a life that only Christ could have redeemed. There are men and women sitting here this morning that only Christ could have redeemed. That when you called out to him, that he heard your cry and he answered your cry, nobody else could have done it. Nobody else could have brought you back. Nobody else could have helped you but Christ. Nobody could have turned this woman's life around except for Christ. She dropped her pots at the well. She dropped him and said, come see a man that told me everything about myself. Come see this man. She dropped what she was carrying. We gotta drop that stuff. Whatever it is you carry, drop it. Whatever it is weighing you down, drop it. Whatever it is the world been beating you up with, drop it. Whatever it is they they've been talking about you with, drop it. Whatever stick they have been using to make you feel less than, drop it. Because they not carrying it, you the one that's carrying it. You the one that's saying, yeah, I agree with what you say about me. Keep on beating me, drop it. Drop it, drop it, because the love of God is greater than anything you could have done in your past. The love of God is greater than any situations in our lives. Yes. Somebody ought say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Cancel your subscription to what other people think and say about you. Can't cancel your subscription. Cancel them. Because you're a child of the Most High God. I've canceled my subscription to what other people think and say about me. Because I know I got a father in heaven that loves me. Love wins. Somebody here needs to know that love wins. Even when you feel like God has forgotten you. I'm here to remind you that God is still on the throne and love wins. I'm reminded of an exchange between Sojourner Troop and Frederick Douglass. And Frederick Douglass was giving a speech and he was depressed and down, talking about slavery and saying he didn't think that the slaves would get free. And so Jonah was sitting in the back of the room and she stood up and she said, Frederick, is God dead? No, no, God is not dead. So in our most pessimistic moments, the question is still pertinent. Is God dead? No, because love wins. When you look at yourself and you look like everybody around you is getting blessed, but you ask yourself, is God dead? No, because love wins. Love wins. It's easy to love when everything is going well. Yeah. It's easy to love when you got everything in your refrigerator and your ride is nice and your 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 bank account is filled up. But when your money is funny and your change is strange, it's hard to think about loving them. It's hard to love when when nothing's going right. It's hard to love when he said he would be there for you and he'd run off with somebody else. It's hard to love when your kids are acting up. It's hard to stay focused, that love wins. But I want you to know that we just hold on, love wins. The love is a driving force. Of the American Civil Rights Movement, that agape love that looked like this, brought together people that should not have been together. The Civil Rights Movement brought, brought Muslims and Sikhs and atheists and catholics and agnostics and for people that look don't even look like they should just like this group this morning and look like y'all shouldn't even be together but that's what love does love brings all kinds of people together people are drawn by love the rabbi herschel that was walking with martin luther king said my legs were praying and my heart was full of love as i was walking with them Martin Luther King wrote about love that wins when he said we should love our enemies. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. We're not trying to kill people. We want to love them and to change it. We're not trying to beat them up with what they're not. We want to love them and to see what they can be. We're not trying to make them feel low. We're showing them the love of God that says you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. I'm telling you that love wins. Love fights for for speaking truth to power, love fights for schools that teach children how to read and write and come out with an education so they can get a job and take care of their own family. Love wins. Love works to change a criminal justice system that creates more criminals than transform. Love wins. And as I take my seat, I want to say this. Is that you can't call yourself a Christian and be stingy. You can't. You can't call yourself a Christian and be stingy. Because love not only wins, but love gives. You don't believe me? Look in your Bible for yourself. God loves so much that he gave heat to the sun and light to the moon and twinkle to the stars. He gave height to the mountains and depth to the oceans and, and then he kept on giving. He took some dust and scooped it up and gave the breath of life to Adam and then he gave Adam and Eve to each other and even when they messed up, he gave them coats for warmth. He gave them children and God kept on giving. He gave Noah and all Abraham a promise Jacob a ladder, Joseph a dream, Moses a sister that saved him. He gave Daniel a vision and Esther courage. He gave the prophets the word, and he kept on giving. He gave himself and his only son, and his son gave sight to the blind, food to the hungry, healing to the hurting. He gave Lazarus back to Martha and Mary, and then he kept on giving. He gave his back to the beating that the Roman soldiers gave to him. He gave his head to the crown of thorns. He gave his hands and his feet to the nails. He gave himself to the cross, but he kept on giving. He gave that tomb back three days later. He gave that borrowed tomb back to Joseph and he gave his followers the Holy Spirit and he kept on giving. How do I know he kept on giving? Cause as I look around, I see that he's still giving because he gave life to me and you. He gave us a life to live. He gave us a story to tell. He gave us this place, this French Cafe. He gave us Patrick and Sarah to be a light in dark places in this community. He gave you to be hands and feet in the world to help build this place and be here and be the arms and feet of God so that when men and women come in here looking for a place to be welcomed and loved. He gave you to give that to them And he kept on giving How do I know Because long after we're gone He's going to keep on giving Because love wins Love wins Somebody give God praise Because love wins Hallelujah Love wins Praise God Our oh, wise and unknowing God Lord we thank you and praise you Lord, you said the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. Lord God, you've ordered our starts and our stops. And so, Lord God, we stopped here this morning and we thank you, Lord God, for all that our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, but more importantly, what our spirits have received. Lord, I pray that your word does not return void, but it will accomplish all that you set it out to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen.